You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Let's recap a little bit of where we're at in our sermon series. So we're in a series entitled Live Like That. And in this series, we've been looking at Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we started a 21-day fast. And, and the, the theme verse has been seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so uh, that's in Matthew chapter 6. That's been our theme. We're, we're, we're looking at what and how does it look like for us to truly seek the kingdom of God. And so, so what does the kingdom of God being first in our life look like? And as we've, as, as we've seen these, these various things, we're saying we want to live like that. That's how we want to live our life. That's how we want our life to focus and, 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 and to be modeled after. And so we said, physically, we've got to put the kingdom of God first. So we're putting our, our, our bodies uh, in check here. And so we talked about fasting. Jesus tells us to fast in Matthew 6. A lot of you guys have done that. Hey, one more week. So you can do this, Daniel Fast people. You can do this, right? One more week. And uh, if, you're, if you haven't fasted yet, you've got one more week to, to incorporate at least a one-day biblical fast. You can go to our website and learn more about that. Um, we're praying for three and very, very huge, important things in the life of our church. I hope that you guys are doing that. The online devotion is still there. So you still have a week to catch up and to begin uh, to join us if you haven't at this point. So we're, we're looking at physically putting the kingdom of God first. Then we looked at putting spiritually the kingdom of God first. And so what does that look like in our daily life? And so we looked at prayer and what it means to, to take time out of our you know, schedule to honor God with our time in prayer, in Bible study. It's why we have the devotion to kind of help with that. Um, and so we, we looked at putting God first spiritually and what that looked like. And then last week, we began to look at what it looks like for us to put the spirit or, or the, uh, the, the, the kingdom of God first materially. And so how do we honor God with our possessions? How do we honor God uh, and the kingdom of God and put him first with our money? And so today we want to talk about what it looks like to be a wise investor. Uh, everyone in here today um, hopefully has, has realized after last week, it's time for a new normal in your life. A new normal, like, like we don't serve money, we serve God and our money serves us as we serve God. That's what I said last week. As I serve God, my money serves me. But if I am not serving God, then I am serving my money because Jesus says you can't love God and love money at the same time. It is impossible. You either love one and hate the other or vice versa. You cannot do both. He says love God. And so all of us in here today, we find that with our wealth and with our finances, we are investing our money on some level. Um, some of you have a rockin' 401k and congratulations. You are investing. Uh, your mutual fund is growing. Some of you have stocks in your company and that is, that is banging and going great for you. Some of you are investing into your home and so you're paying a mortgage every month and, and some of you are investing in credit card payments and so that that's not awesome for you. Uh, some of you are investing in a car, and so you've got a car payment, and so uh, you're working on that. By the way, when you buy a new car, as soon as you drive it off, it's like 25% uh, of the value of that car goes down. So don't buy a new car, buy a used car. Anyway, so we're all investing our money in various places. Uh, the key today is how do we 
make wise investments. And what does Jesus say a wise investment is? Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Let's look beginning in verse 19. We're going to go to 21 today. Remember, we're covering every verse in this chapter. We've got a couple more weeks uh, to look at all of the verses in this chapter. But this is an amazing, amazing chapter uh, in the Bible that Jesus speaks. Verse 19, here we go. It says, do not Lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay. Let's start with three wise investment principles that Jesus gives us right here, okay? So if you're taking notes, I hope that you are, because if you don't take notes, you're not going to remember a single thing today. You're going to walk away and think, man, that was a cool day. Uh, Great preaching not applied is entertainment. So you can get entertained here every Sunday if you want to. But what I'm saying is don't come for entertainment purposes. Come for love Jesus more purposes, okay? So if you're taking notes, number one, Jesus tells us to invest our money in the right place. Jesus is not against investments. He is not against taking your income and investing it in good places. He is about making sure that we don't make a bad investment and he wants us to make a good investment. So first and foremost, Jesus is on board with you and I making investments with our money, just in case you were wondering. Number two, if you're taking notes, nothing you store or invest in on earth is safe. Nothing, not some of it, not a part of it, nothing that you invest in on earth is safe. Look at what he says again in verse 19. He says, rust, moth is going to destroy it. And where three thieves break in and steal. Jesus basically says here that anything that you invest in, your house, your mutual fund, your whatever you're investing your money into today, rust is going to get every precious metal. Clothes are going to get destroyed after a couple of years. Some of you have things that are a little bit older than that, and you need to destroy them. (laughs) Elbow your spouse right now. No. And then he says, and at the end of the day, thieves are going to break in and steal anything that we have. Jesus is very clear. Nothing that we invest in on earth is going to last. Nothing. It's all going to get stolen. It's all going to get ruined. And so Jesus's point here, again, is as he's focusing us, is that nothing on earth is going to last. Earthquakes, tornadoes, something's going to get it. Terrorist attack, a sour deal is going to occur and everything is going to tank. But when you give to God's kingdom first, making that investment your first priority That's the only thing that has eternal value. When we give and invest in the kingdom of God, it will exist forever. Because as you invest in the kingdom of God, you're investing in the lives of other people. And other people are the only thing that's going to last forever in eternity. And not to mention the rewards that Jesus points to as we do invest into the kingdom. So, the question remains, will you invest on, into treasures 
into the world that aren't going to last? Or will you make a priority of investing into things that will last forever via God's kingdom? Here's the third principle. Here's where we want to be at today. Jesus says to aggressively invest in God's kingdom. He's not saying that that investment is bad. He's actually telling us to invest. He's actually telling us to store up treasures. He simply says stop storing them in the wrong place. He tells us to store them where they're going to have an eternal value, where they're going to last forever, where the rewards are going to be given to you forever. Jesus doesn't say not to invest. He says don't make a dumb investment. Don't make a stupid investment by investing all of your wealth into worldly things that aren't going to last. And he says, make the investment in things of the eternal, which are only God's kingdom. Now, turn over a few pages to Matthew chapter 13. Because in Matthew 13, we have a really awesome parable in, in just one verse, in verse 44. Because when we look at wealth and when we look at making investments, um, at the end of the day, we're, we're not on the same page. What you think is wealth might be different than what the person on, in the next row think is wealth. So what constitutes true wealth? And let's get on the same page here. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. He's talking about the kingdom of God all throughout this chapter. And he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Let me read that again. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells some of what he has and he buys that field. Wait, I messed it up on that time. Let me read. In his joy, he goes and sells some of it. No. In his joy, he sells everything that he has for the treasure that he had found in the field. Now, should we feel sorry for him that he had to sacrifice so much? No. Did it pain him to give up everything that he had? No. In his joy, he gave up everything to gain the treasure. You see, it's all relative value here. Until he found the treasure, all of his possessions looked valuable. But when he had seen a true treasure, nothing that he owned at that point seemed valuable any longer. Once he got in perspective, the kingdom of God, now the things on earth were strangely dim. They didn't matter. And now he was able to give up everything that he had because of the eternal value that he saw in the treasure. And that's what he's saying. That is true wealth. True wealth is the kingdom of God. When we can see the kingdom of God through God's eyes. Like this man in this parable, I'm sure he was tied to his possessions like we are. I'm sure his money and his stuff was very personal to him, just like it is for you and I today. But he was willing to say, I'm willing to lay it all down. I'm willing to give up everything that I own for this treasure. It is worth it. It is more valuable than anything else that I have ever gained on this earth. It's why Paul can say in Philippians 3, 8, he says, what's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, for whose sake I have lost all things and I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. 
In other words, everything that he had gained, he was considering garbage. Now, when he compares it to knowing Jesus, his prestige, his power, his wealth. Paul was not some poor fisherman like Peter and the rest of the guys. He was a very prominent, wealthy Pharisee, trained under one of the most prestigious um, uh, teachers of all uh, first century time. I mean, he knew his stuff. He was going up the ladder. I mean, he had wealth. He had success. He had everything at that point that you can imagine would have, would have looked successful and wealthy at that time. And he says, everything that I gained, everything, I consider it garbage when I compare it to knowing Jesus. And that's where we want to be. I mean, that's where your marriage goes to the next level. That's where you as a parent goes to the next level. People always say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for my kids and I'm, I'm giving them a life that, that they never had. And, and I want to say, bull, you're doing it for you, you know, because your kids want you. And if you'll love Jesus and put him first, then you'll be a better parent. It's not what you can rack up to give them that's going to make you a better parent or make them like you more. It's when you love Jesus and teach them how to do the same and you spend time with them that they're going to rise up and call you blessed. How do you invest your money? That's the question then. So if Jesus tells us to invest. He tells us don't make a dumb investment. He tells us to, to make wise investments or, or to invest into the kingdom of God. What does that look like? What, what does investing our money look like? And, and, and how, does, how, do, how does a wise investment get played out? Well, let's go for it. First and foremost, I would say prioritize your money. Prioritize your money if you're taking notes. And here's how we prioritize our money. Number one, we give God the first 10% of our gross income. You want to say, you know what? I want to seek first the kingdom of God materially. I want to, this is what it looks like. You say, I'm going to give God this specific amount first. You say, I want to store my treasures in heaven. I want to make an investment for eternity. I know my earthly treasures are going to be ruined or stolen. And so I know everything else is, is, is going to be forgotten and laid waste to. But I know that as I give to God, he's going to store it in heaven. My rewards are going to be endless and people's lives are going to be changed. And so I'm going to give 10% of my gross income to the Lord. Now, if you've got your Bibles, go to the left. And the book before Matthew is a book called Malachi. I want to read a pretty powerful passage in, in chapter 3 of Malachi that could possibly change our lives today. This is God speaking. Verse 6, chapter 3. You ready? Here we go. It's going to be on the screen, I believe. God says this, For I, the Lord, do not change. Let's just pause right there. I, the Lord, do not change. So what that means is he is, he is our rock, and the rock won't move. Amen. I mean, so, so like he is not changing today. What he tells us in his word 2,000 years ago plus more, like is true today. And so what he promises us financially in this book is true today. We can trust him with our finances today, just like they can trust him back in the day. He does not change. He says, therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. For the days of your fathers have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. 
So in other words, you have run from me. You are not like serving me. You are not following me. You have turned away from me. And God says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. So obviously as they hear God, their next question is, but but how shall we return to you? In other words, I thought we were pretty good people. I mean, I've got a pretty good family. I got a pretty good job. I've not killed anybody. You know, I haven't stolen anything lately. You know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a pretty good person. How shall we return to you? And God says this, will man rob God? So God answers the question with an answer. Oh, you know, I hate it when he does that. It's like, oh, he makes us think about it. You know, will a man rob God? Good question. I can imagine them going, will a man rob God? Well, I don't know. Could a man rob God? I think I could rob God. But, but then he, it, it all belongs to so He could probably just take it back. So I don't know. Good question. And here's his response. Yet, you are robbing me. You are robbing me. But you will say, how have we robbed you? And God answers, in your tithes and contributions. You say, what would it look like for us to ask that question today? Are you robbing God? Their response is, how are we robbing him? I didn't know I was. And God says, in your tithes and your contributions. Verse 9, he says, you're cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the, in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord. Here's the deal. <clears throat> we honor God. We seek God's kingdom materially. We seek him. We give to him. Here are the blessings that flow. In verse, in, in verse 8, he says, just test me in this and see if I'm not going to open up the windows of, of, of the blessing. In other words, you're not going to contain it. He says, he says you're not going to have any more need. I mean, who, who would want to live their life but not have any more need? I mean, I, I want to sign up for that. I mean, you're not going to have any more need. He says, I will rebuke the devourer. So, so in other words, for us, we could say, you know what? He's going to protect us in ways and, and, and show us favor in ways and show us blessing in ways as, as everyone else's crops might be devoured. God protects ours. He says, I'll rebuke the devourer. Then he says, all nations will call you blessed. You see, in the Bible, the tithe literally means a tenth. So in the Old Testament, when you see the word tenth, it means literally uh, 10%. And so in uh, the Old Testament, the first 10% of their gross income, uh, also called their first fruits, uh, was was supposed to be given to uh, the ministry. And so we see this, if you want to, I think it's up here in Numbers chapter 18 and Numbers chapter 27, where it talks about this 10%. But, But that's not all that they gave. Let me, let me show you for, uh, some, for instance, go ahead and throw this, all this stuff up there, guys. In addition to that, there were other percentages and offerings that they had to give. They had to pay another 10% 
for festivals uh, in order to build community and for celebrations. In Deuteronomy 10, Deuteronomy 17 through 18, and chapter 14, uh, explain that this other 10% was set aside for these types of festivals. Another 3.3% was given to the poor. So they would collect this 3.3%. Everyone would bring that in. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, uh, it talks about this as another add-on to what they were giving for ministry. Uh, Leviticus chapter 19 talks about crop gleanings collected for the poor and for the alien that they collected uh, regularly. Uh, occasionally, they also gave offerings and, and, and tithes uh, outside of what they were giving regularly for building projects. Like in Nehemiah chapter 10, when they rebuilt the wall and people came and gave offerings so that they would have enough resources to build. So in total, um, this is not a legalistic kind of thing that we have to do to get God's blessing. We look at this and, and, and see what they gave in the Old Testament here. It was not just 10%. It was actually over 25% of their gross income uh, through all of their various wealth avenues for ministry. And so as a, as a New Testament church, I don't look at this and say, well, if I don't do this, then you know, God's not gonna love me or God's not gonna let me go to heaven. I look at giving 10% as a starting point. Not as an ending point, but I start with 10% and I say, I'm going to honor God with my wealth by giving 10% of my gross income to him. Because everybody wants to ask, do I give off, you know, after Uncle Sam takes his cut or my gross? Uncle Sam does it. He takes off the gross. This is what God is asking us to do as well. So we start there, but we shouldn't end there. Here's what I mean by that. When Mike and I first got married, we, we were in Louisville, Kentucky. She was making $21,000 a year. I was, I was odd jobbing into different things, paying my way through seminary. Uh, she was teaching. We gave God 10% of our income at that point. At that point, wasn't a ton of money by, by comparison, but for us living week to week, it was a ton of money. You know, percentage wise, it was a lot. We stayed faithful. We committed. This is what we're going to do. As God blessed us, our income increased. Our giving has increased. We didn't want to stay at 10%. We wanted, as God blessed us, every year we look at it and we say, how much more can we give? So ever since about six, seven years ago, we've been giving more than just 10%. Not because I feel guilty, but because I want to give to God as much as I can. Because I know the rewards, I know the favor, I know the blessing that entails. When the Christmas offering comes around, we want to be able to give to that. When building stuff happens, we want to be able to give to that. As people in our family, needs around the community happen that come around my way, I want to be able to give to that. So first and foremost, if we're going to prioritize the kingdom of God in our life, if we want to seek the kingdom of God first, this is what it begins to look like. 10% goes to God. Now here's something that helped me as I was getting, getting my feet wet into this many years ago. Um, God owns everything. I mean, God owns everything. So while I have a bank account and I have some assets, it all belongs to him. And I have to realize that he's given me the ability to, to be a pastor. He's given the, me the ability to speak. He's given me the, the capacity mentally, you know, to have a job and, and, and be able to earn an income. 
Like God is sovereign and in control of my health. That's why we pray for people to get healed. We know that he is in control of that. And so, so for me, I've got to realize that everything that I have flows from God. Therefore, when I read in the, in, in the Bible where it says, you know what, give a, a, a 10% for the kingdom of God, strive to give more, then I don't look at that and say, God is trying to take my money. I look at that and say, God is allowing me to keep 90% of my money and he wants me to honor him with the rest. So, so here's what, it, God doesn't care about your money. I don't care about your money. You know, really, it doesn't, doesn't matter to me one way or another. I, I, God's gonna take care of me and the staff and this church. Here's the point. God is not after your money. He's after your heart. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is gonna be. And see, the number one thing I said last week for the number one competitor of your heart in your life is money. Just be honest with yourself. So God knows in order to get your heart, He's going, to be, he's going to ask us to put the kingdom first materially. And when we begin to do that, when we begin to allow that to take place, our heart in, in, in those times begins to be transformed for the gospel and for his glory. God owns everything. I'll never forget um, one, one time about 10 years ago, um, my wife and I, we made some stupid dumb decisions financially. And we ran up a credit card, a few thousand dollars. And uh, before we knew it, we were like, what just happened? And now we're trying to pay this thing off. And um, I just remember having this conversation with her. I just, you know, we were given faithfully to the church that we were uh, serving at at that time. And I said, well, you know what, honey, what, what if we, what if we just, because it wasn't just paying debt. It was like tight everywhere. It's tight everywhere. We were having kids, you know, we got too many kids. And, and so, you know, <laughs> it's like, I said, I actually said this and I, I was a pastor. I said, you know, honey, what if, is a moment of weakness. I'll, I'll just have to tell you, I'm just being honest. I said, honey, what if we paused our giving to our church? I'm just being really honest with you today. What if we paused our giving to, to the church so that we could pay off this debt and then after we were done, then we can just, we can begin to give, you know, again, like we were. And she looked at me and she wasn't, she's very sweet. She wasn't hateful about this. She was just asking a legitimate question to me that rocked my world. She said, huh, do you think that's biblical? And I went, well, biblical, who, I wasn't talking about the Bible here, you know, who, why you have to bring God into this conversation, you know, it's not Sunday, come on, <clears throat> And I just, I just remember like, yeah, you know what? Dumb idea, moment of weakness. I'm stupid. Uh, a couple of days later, took my, took my son to McDonald's and uh, got him a Happy Meal, you know? So he was happy. This is when he was tiny, tiny, barely could, you know, talk. And, and so I, I said, you know, I, I wasn't eating there. I was going somewhere else, but that's what he wanted. But, you know, those golden fries are, you know, just little, you know, they're amazing. Okay, I'm just gonna tell you, they're awesome. Not good for you, but they're awesome. And so, so I said, I said, bud, let me get a couple, let me get a couple of those, you know, fries. And he looked at me and his little, you know, two and a half year old voice. No, they're mine. <laughs> Thoughts of back slapping him and throwing him against the wall crossed my mind. But I did, just being honest with you, just being honest. So, so I said, well, come on, man. I was like, I just bought you a Happy Meal. You know, get, show, show your old man some love. Just give me a couple, you know. And he said, no, they're mine. Now, what I wanted to do is I wanted to pick that Happy Meal up and I wanted to throw it out the window, you know. <clears throat> but I had a good conversation with him about how daddy owns it all. Daddy can, can, he can take anything he wants. My asking was just a polite way of saying that I would like a fry, boy. Now give me a fry. 
and shut up, you know? <clears throat> now, that was the same week we had this conversation. So here's what God's doing in my quiet time. He's, he's letting me have conversations with my two-year-old that I'm having with him. So it's like, so it's like God is teaching me through my kids <laughs> and God is teaching me through my wife. And it's like, yes, yes, moment of weakness. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm sidetracked. God owns it all. He's asking me for 10%. I want to start there and I'm going to honor him through my debt. And, 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 and here, this is the way that God wants it. This is the blessing that is going to happen. So first and foremost, you're going to prioritize your money. You're going to give God 10% of your gross income. Here's the second thing that you're going to do if you're taking notes. You're going to give yourself the next 10%. Give yourself the next 10%. Now, here's why this is important. Um, the American Savings Education Council says that one in five Americans have nothing in their savings account. Zero in their savings account. So that means um, one out of five people in this room, if we're average, uh, don't have anything in savings, we're, we're living paycheck to paycheck. It's very important that you give to yourself 10% at least. So that 10% needs to go into your savings. Maybe 5% in your savings and 5% in your 401k or, or your mutual fund, whatever it is. But 10%, if not more, depending on how much you make, should be saved for your future, should be saved for the rainy day that something bad is going to happen. This is needed. And, and, and this is huge. So let me ask you, who do you work for? Think about that. Who do you work for today? Some of you are thinking of a boss or your employer, your company. Uh, maybe you own your own business. You're thinking, I work for myself. But let me assure you that if you do not give God 10% of your income and you do not give 10% of your income to yourself, you work, my friend, for the national government. You work for Uncle Sam who takes that, that percentage off of your check every week. You work for the credit card companies. You work for the bank. You work for everybody else that you owe money to. If you are not honoring God with 10% and you are not honoring yourself with 10% for savings in, in your future, you might think you're working for your family, but they just get the leftovers. They're paying, they're paying interest. <laughs> They're paying, you know, 20% APR with you. They're not, they're not getting blessed. And their future isn't going to be blessed if you don't make a change. Prioritize your giving. Now, if you don't have debt, 10 to 15%, I would say savings, retirement, Yes, if you have credit card debt, if you have car loans, uh, if you have, you know, Lowe's payments, whatever you have, then that 10 to 15% needs to pay off your debt. You got to get ticked off at your debt today. You got to get mad at your debt. You got to look at your debt as a stupid mistake, not as fun. You got to get ticked. You got to get mad and you got to get a passion to get out of it and to realize what your future could look like if you do. Now, the average credit card debt is $8,400 in America. If we're average, we all have a credit card. Hopefully we're not. But many of us in this room have at least $8,400 on a credit card. Now, if you only pay the minimum payment every month on that card, it's going to take you 30 years to pay that off and upwards of over $20,000 to pay it off. 
I mean, just think, if you could knock that out, just think of the money you would save, not to mention the money that you would be able to save for yourself if you weren't given $250 a month towards that. Now, on talking that this week, I talk about what Dave Ramsey calls the debt snowball. If you have debt, you need to, first of all, I encourage you to get in Financial Peace University and learn the whole thing. Um, But if you've got debt, then at least watch Talking That. Understand how the debt snowball can wipe out your debt. Get out of it. Be done with it. Cut up your cards. And do what my grandparents who grew up in in the Great Depression used to do. If you don't have the money, you don't buy it. I know that's a crazy principle. Like we're like, oh, people do that. Yes, they did it back in the day. Like it's not normal today. Last week we said, let's create a new normal. Let's get mad. Let's give 10% to God, seek the kingdom first. Then let's give 10% to ourselves, either in savings or pay off our debt. And here's the bottom line. We cannot seek the kingdom of God first if we're paying minimum payments every month. You cannot seek the kingdom of God first if, you're, if, you're, if your debt is so high that you're stressed and worried all the time about it and you're running for extra hours at work and you're running you know, to get overtime and you're praying for you know, a different job and you're praying you know, that, that you would get the promotion and, and your thoughts are completely consumed with money. You're not seeking the kingdom of God. So we want to get our priorities in check. So priority, God 10%, next 10% goes to me. And then here's, how, here's the next thing I would say. You automate that. You make that automatic in your life. Um, back in the day, um, the government found this out. Um, before 1943, um, people like, were expected to give their taxes in the spring every year. The government was pretty smart about this and realized that people don't budget their money very well. And by springtime, most of them don't have enough money to pay their taxes. And so what they decided to do in 1943 is automate it. They created a system to where you don't see your money anymore. From the moment you get paid, Uncle Sam takes at least 27 cents out of every dollar that you make. Okay, don't get too mad. Uh, if you live in another state other than Tennessee, you know that there's another five to six cents that come out of your check as well. So upwards of 30 cents uh, of every dollar we make automatically goes to the government because the government realized that we're not very good budgeters. We're not very uh, well self-controlled. And so they created a system that guaranteed they were going to get their money. Now, I don't know what you think about our government, but that's pretty smart. Now listen, what if you automated your giving? What if you went home today and said, you know what? My decision today is I'm going to seek the kingdom of God first. So I'm going to go to foothillschurch.com. I'm going to click on give and I'm going to set up every Friday when I get paid, 10% of my income is going to go to the church or once a month, whatever it is. But that's automatically going to come out. Boom, I set it and then I'm done with it. I never even see it in my checking account. To get paid on Friday, it leaves at the same time. Boom, don't even have to worry about it. And then what if you said, I'm going to give 10% 
of my income to myself. And so I'm going to go to my employer and I'm going to say, hey, I want you to give X amount of dollars and I want you to put it in this account. Don't put it in, don't direct deposit it into this one. I want you to put it into this one. It's amazing. You want to say, I'm going to put this percentage in my mutual fund or this percentage in my 401k. And then I'm going to put, put this percentage in my savings account. Now, listen, if you work for Fred Finstone and he still writes checks, you tell him, it's the 21st century, man. We've got a direct deposit. <laughs> you know, We've got to get savvy here. So, so let's get a direct deposit set up so that it goes straight into whatever account you want it. And listen, you never see it. When you think about it, what's the best way to handle something? If, if you want to do something and you're worried that your self-control or your temptations might keep you from doing what you want to do, what's the best thing to do? Create a system where you don't have to count on your financial skills, your budgeting skills, or your self-control. Automate it and be done with it. Same is true if, if, if you're paying off debt. Automate it. Every credit card company has autom- automatic payment methods so that your income can straight go to your, your credit card. You don't even have to think about it. That way you're not, you know, you're not tempted. Well, let's just pay the minimum this month so we can go to Outback tonight or let's, go, let's pay the minimum so we, we can go on vacation on spring breaks. Like, no, tell your money where to go. You don't serve money, you serve God. And your money serves you as you serve God. So I wanna automate it, set it up and then be done with it. And listen, if you'll do that, You want to talk about no anxiety and no stress. I don't care if you've got 20 plus grand in debt, you know, credit cards, if you've got 40, 50 grand. If you'll do this, if you'll give 10% to God, if you'll give 10% to yourself or at least a percentage of that 10% to your savings and the rest goes to your debt snowball, you you create a system, you automate it, and then you live your life, man. You're talking about stress-free you know that you're paying a system. You know that it's happening. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to stress about it. You know it's going to take you four or five years maybe to pay it off. But this is what you're doing. Here's number three. Give 10% to God. Give 10% to yourself or to your debt. And third, you budget the remaining. This is not rocket science. But they didn't teach us this at home and they didn't teach us this at school. You say, I can't live off 80%. And I want to say, yes, you can. You just think you can't because all the nice stuff that you want to have. Now, it's going to take cutting out the fluff. It's going to take removing the latte a day. You know what they say about the latte, right? You heard this one? A latte a day keeps retirement away, you know? It's time to cut out the 4 and $5 latte. I like to splurge every now and then, but I probably shouldn't, you know? So, so here's the deal. We got to cut out the fluff. Some of you got, you know, cable that, that, that needs to go. Some of you bought cars that you can't afford. Why? Why do you do that? It's dumb. Jesus would say, dumb investment. Who cares what you drive and what it looks like? A to B, A to B. That's all we need, A to B. Some of you need to sell a car. Some of you bought a house you can't afford and you're what they call house poor. It's time to sell the house. Call me up, I'll help you paint it. We'll fix it up and we'll sell that puppy and you downsize into what you can afford. Why? Because you have a future. And your future is not just here on this earth, it's for eternity. And we're not living for this world, we're living for our future world. God has given us this to manage. He's watching, he's watching and he's wooing us to follow his standards and his principles. And yet if we deny him and seek our own kingdom, you build up sin in your life, hardness of heart, your joy is sapped, your relationships are stressed, 
your finances are out of whack and you're stressed. And he says, that's not the way that I want you to live. First of all, you're having a horrible life. And secondly, when you get to heaven, you're not going to have very many rewards. Something needs to change. You need to get mad at yourself. You've made some dumb decisions. Own up to it. Get it right. Automate it and move on with life. Now, we got to cut up credit cards. We got to begin to cut out the fluff. Some of you are blessed financially. Here's what you've done. No credit card, no, no payments. You know, you've got nothing but a house mortgage. Congratulations. You guys are awesome. You're, you're more than likely, you're probably the givers and you're giving to church and you're, you're, you're giving to yourself. So you're saving up. But here's what I want to challenge you with. Pay off the house. Pay off the house. Imagine if you didn't have that, you know, pay off that. Some of you think that's never going to happen. I got a 30-year mortgage. There's never, now listen, if, try this. Instead of paying your mortgage once a month, pay half your mortgage every two weeks. If you pay your mortgage every two weeks, half, by the end of the year, you'll have made an extra payment, which, listen to this, it will take a 30-year mortgage to 21 years just by paying every two weeks. Now, some of you have been in that house for 10 years Imagine if you would have started that 10 years ago. 11 more years, baby, and you would be done. And think of the money that you would have if you weren't giving it to your house. This is very simple things. We've got to live within our means. We've got to budget that 80%. We've got to live on that amount of money. Sounds simple, doesn't it? <laughs> but why? Why? Well, one word, envy. Envy. I want what I don't have, and I've got to get it. And I got to go after it. And it leads to all kinds of evil in our life. We want to automate it. We want to honor God with our life. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And if you give to God first and follow his plan like this, the first time in your life, you'll be able to say that you treasure Jesus more than you treasure possessions. Here's the 90-day challenge that I want to give to you guys. And we're not going to do it today. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about it today. Next Sunday, we're going to do it. The 90-day challenge is going to be this. I'm going to ask everybody here to commit for 90 days to give 10% of your gross income. And after that 90 days, if you do not feel like you are doing the right thing and that God has blessed you as a result, I'll give every single dime back to you. Promise. 90 days, I'm going to give 10%. After that 90 days, God hasn't blessed me. I don't feel like this is the right thing for me. I'll give it all back because I don't care about your money. I don't get an increase if we get more givers, okay? It's not how it works at all. God is after our hearts here today. The whole idea of a 21-day fast is not to see how long we could go. The whole idea is to pursue Jesus. And if we're not going to pursue Jesus, then let's not even show up. Let's sleep in. But we're, we're here to make disciples. We're here to worship and pursue him. And yes, that means all of you. That means materially. Here's what I want to do next. Some of you have been faithful givers over the last year. And let me just say to you, um, what God has done through your gifts is no short of a miracle. You're like the, you're like the little boy uh, with, with you know, five loaves of bread and two fish, God blessed and, and, and fed thousands. That's what God did this year through your gifts. And I'm going to explain that in just a minute. But those of you that are giving, those of you that have automated your giving, thank you. From, from all of our leaders, from, from our, our staff, we thank you for your gifts. Now, some of you have not been faithful. 
Some of you have been giving whatever you have. Some of you have not been giving at all. Some of you are maybe new to the church, and so you're thinking, Trent, I haven't really committed here, so the whole money thing, we're not really decided. And I just want to say, okay, you must be given to your other church. And that's perfectly fine with me until you decide. But if you're not giving to your other church, we welcome you to be faithful and to seek God's kingdom here at Foothills Church. We ask you to repent of your robbery and begin to give God what belongs to him here at Foothills Church. Now next, some of you are new Christians. You're new Christians, and I get this. You're, 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 you're figuring it out. I'm glad to have you. Uh, maybe, maybe you went to church as a kid and you didn't really learn or anything and now you're back. I know there's a lot of you here uh, that are like that. And so you're learning a lot about what it means to follow Jesus. And so, so welcome. This is what it means to seek God first and put him first materially and with your money. Give 10% to him. I'm asking you as a new Christian to take this 90-day challenge. Um, now, some of you are not a Christian Some of you came with a friend for the first time and you're like, I came to church for the first time and the stinking pastor is talking about money. (laughs) Figures. That's why I don't go. Now, I haven't talked about money since 2012 in a series that we called We Are Not Home. So erase that from your mind and realize this. If you're not a Christian, I'm not asking you to give a dime. What I'm asking you to do is to find out about Jesus. I'm asking you to receive Jesus because he is the greatest reward and the greatest gift that you will ever receive. Now, I hope you hear the next, all of that. And what I'm about to say as a pastor who loves you, as a pastor that loves this church, gives everything that he has to this church. And as we looked at the numbers this year, uh, there were a lot of things that, that really uh, spoke to us and, and, and told me kind of where we're at. So on behalf of, of all the leaders, please pray for our church. There are so many great things going on in our church. Uh, by and large, it is, it is amazing. Um, but there are some issues and I want to talk about it real quickly. First of all, the last two weeks, attendance-wise, have been phenomenal. La- uh, two weeks ago, we broke 700 for the very first time here at Fiddles Church. Amazing. We're less than five years old. That is awesome. Uh, that was two weeks ago. And then last Sunday, we beat that Sunday. So, so it, it, the, the, our growth and the attendance has been amazing. Uh, by and large, awesome, wonderful uh, things are, ha- are happening. Now, uh, we created an annual report that's on our website. It's at foothillschurch.com slash finance. Um, you can go there and look at all of the numbers from our annual report, uh, all of the giving, all of where it went, all that kind of stuff. Um, and there are some, some other great numbers on there that are exciting that I want you guys to, to see and take part. But there's one particular pie chart that I wanted to show this morning that is very uh, telling of kind of where we're at as a church. Guys, can you put that pie chart? Don't you love pie charts? Um, it's kind of like math class all over again. Uh, but here's the deal. Here's where we're at. Uh, I'm just going to talk about it. The percentage breakdown of gifts given to Foothills Church. So, so we have 330 giving units. So the way that we come up with this is not, uh, we don't include what, what children give because, you know, they bring their quarter and they put it. We don't include children. We don't include like, you know, married, you know, the wife doesn't give, but the husband gives or vice versa. We don't do it's a unit, it's a family unit. And that's how we look at it. And we have 330. And out of those 330 giving units, the, the people that have given, this is the breakdown of what was given. So look at it with me. 19% of the gifts that were given to our church in 2013 were less than $50. 
So 19% of you gave, you know, $49 or less. So thank you for that. We were able to buy some gum with that and it helped the kids ministry. Uh, 9.7% gave less than $100. And so again, this is not like kids or student ministry on Wednesday nights that bring in whatever pizza money they have. That's not included. These are adult giving units. Uh, Next, 25.8% gave between $100 and $500. So again, that's, that's um, great. And then 19.7% gave $500 to $1499. And then 11.8% of you gave between $1,500 and $3,999. And then between $10,000 and $19,000, And then 0.1% gave between $20,000 and $49,000. So keep that up there. Uh, Keep a look at it. Just, just kind of think about it. Now, again, as a pastor that loves you and that knows the value of giving, I would not ask you to do something that I don't do. I'm not like that. You know, now, th- th- this is how, this is, th- this is just what it is for us at Foothills Church. This means that 54% of us gave less than $500 to the kingdom of God in the year 2013. That pains me as your pastor. Over half of the people that give to our church gave less than $500. Now, granted, we have a lot of young Christians. Okay, we've got brand new Christians. We've got new believers. And some of you are thinking, yeah, but there's single moms out there and they've got kids. and they, they, they. That's a very small percentage. Okay, not everybody is the single mom in this room trying to make ends meet. Okay, by and large, that's not the case. So 55, 54% gave less than $500 to the kingdom of God. The average income in this area, um, I think this is close, is $45,000. So 10% of $45,000 is $4,500. You're reaching for your calculator, but it's $4,500. That's 10% of of what the income is. Um, But this means that 75% of us gave less than $1,500. So 75% gave less than $1,500 to the kingdom of God. And by the way, the average American pays $1,800 to Comcast or Charter a year for cable. So we'll give 18. Jesus would say, dumb investment, bro. Stupid. Oh, I could think of another name for it, but it's probably get me in trouble. Dumb investment. We're giving less to the kingdom of God than we are to charter. And I want you to hear again. I want you to hear this. Somebody that loves you and walking with you. 25% of the people attending our church gave goose egg. Goose egg. An entire year. So here's what this means. When I say miracles took place this year, I mean miracles took place this year. Like, I, I don't know how. I don't know how it happens but some of you have carried the load. There, there's a few, there, there's, there's a remnant in our church. And that's the remnant I believe that God is, is honoring with, with more growth and the remnant that God is, is continuing to bless our church. It's amazing to me that we're in a new worship center. Some of you guys are new. We haven't even been in this for a year. You know, it's, it's been like eight months that we've been in this room. And the reason why we're here is because of those of you that gave financially to Foothills I Love You to make this happen. 
So, so see this. They, like the faithful that are, that are giving and that gave have allowed the 700 people to come and hear about Jesus. That's the eternal investment that we're talking about. We were able to, to remodel the kids' street area. We were able to remodel the cafe. Um, we were able to remodel the bathrooms. Remember, we bought this place. This was not a church. This was, a, this was an entertainment center. It was not, you know, wasn't built to meet the needs of a church. So we're constantly in a renovation program. Um, we gave over $41,000 to local and global ministries last year. It's a miracle. You know how that happened. Uh, we remodeled some office spaces. We did landscaping outside. We created the Connect Center where all of you guys are beginning to connect. Uh, the kids' check-in area was, was completely uh, created. We added two new staff guys, and, and then we've got a new security system. It's like God took five loaves and two fish, and he did a miracle this year. And I don't know how, but it happened. I know for the last four months, our staff has been on a spending freeze and like only buying the very bare necessities of what we need for ministry. That's the reality, and still are to this day. So what I'm saying is, God has done a miracle. And what I'm asking and what I'm sharing today is what would it look like if the 75% of you that only gave less than $1,500 truly gave 10% to God this year, and you sought Him first, and you gave 10% to yourself and you lived off 80. You got out of debt You didn't do the whole, I'm going to pause my tithing until I get out of debt. But you honored God with the first 10%. Can you imagine where this church with God's hand of blessing would be a year from now? My guess is we wouldn't be sitting in this room. We'd be sitting about 100 yards over there in a brand new building. That could seat all of us in one service. I I could tell you this, some of these seats over here would, would be full because more people would know Jesus. I I can tell you in about a week when uh, students do Spotlight, they wouldn't be praying, you know, for 100 kids. They'd be figuring out where they're going to put 250 kids who are coming to hear about Jesus. You see, money isn't everything, but it's going to determine the scope of what we can do for the kingdom. And so I want to close today with with doing something... um, that we do regularly, which is to take the Lord's Supper. Um, but today's a little bit different because today hit all of us on some level. And so like today, before we take the Lord's Supper, you know, we're, we're called, Jesus tells us to, to, you know, have a time of confession before him. And, and some of you need to like legitimately take this time of confession seriously about your finances and kind of where you're at and, and kind of instead of putting you first, you're going to put God first. And then you're going to take the Lord's Supper today And the band is going to come and they're going to lead us in a beautiful, sweet song that's going to help us to see that all we need, all we want is is Jesus. That's all my heart really wants. All my heart really wants is, is Jesus. And no matter what takes place in life, like He is our center. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.